I hear the word empower a lot. What does it really mean to empower my teen athlete or performer? It does get talked about a lot, doesn't it? That whole idea of empower, I think we hear it all the time. It's, you know, we're, we're going to empower these people. Empower, empower, empower. What does it mean to empower? Especially it's a cool when, word. It's, it is a cool word, and it's a cool concept. I think that's why it gets talked about a lot, is because it really does mean something really cool. And to empower our kids. Like, for my money, I just jump right in. Empowering our teens is when you help them feel that they're capable and they're confident in using the tools, the skills, the things we've equipped them with, just in being their own person. And we're helping them feel capable and confident. I worked with a young man one time, um, and capable was a huge word for him. We were talking about words that he would want people to use to describe him. And his big one was capable. He wanted people to see him as a capable person. And I think if you're empowering you're helping your kids to develop that sense of capacity. I'm capable of doing these this things. This comes back to the, I, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when I had a coach that he believed in me and I knew it, I just, I probably felt more capable than I actually was. Yeah, which is a cool feeling. Like if you're feeling more capable than you are, that means you're gonna test your limits. You're gonna be willing to try things, take risks, and that's how you grow. There's no growth in the comfort zone. So get out of the comfort zone, let's grow. And if you have somebody that made you feel that way, you were probably more likely to stretch yourself and go grow. That's Absolutely. Awesome. That's very, very cool. Blessed to have somebody like that. Hey, parents, take a minute and think about who's somebody that's done that for you. Who's somebody that's been the person that's empowered you? Because if you can think about that and how somebody has treated you that made you feel empowered and capable and confident, that's gonna help you to be able to do that for your teens. So it's a great chance. Take a, take a second and think about that and, and get that person in your mind. So I think that empowering requires, you know, us to, to really dig into some important ideas, especially the idea that they have to determine what success looks like for them. I think that's so important because if I have a picture of success, and I'm running my kids towards that definition of success, I, I, might, I might be feeling like I'm empowering them, but I might be getting them going in the direction I think they should go. And that might be, not be the direction they think they should go. And that's where some conflict can come in. This is where we see a big disconnection yeah. between parents and teens, and we've seen this throughout our whole coaching career. Uh -huh. If their definitions of success do not align, there is this, this is an impending disaster at some yeah. point. This is why I love the scoreboard course. Yeah, that's a, that's a great offering that we have there at createtransformbecome.com. Um, but it just helps dig into this idea like you're talking about, where it's aligning those definitions of success is critical for you as a parent to be able to authentically empower them. Right, and sometimes they don't even know what their definition of success yeah. is. And so they're wandering. So defining it and then aligning it, uh, aligning the teens with theirs is this. I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go deep on this, check out the scoreboard yeah. course. Great place to go for that. But what is uh, we've we've got several ideas that we want to share with you today about what empowering looks like in your relationships with your kids. And the first one that comes to my mind is providing kids the autonomy 
to use the tools that, that you've equipped them with. And this can be really hard. It's so much of empowering is allowing somebody to self-determine. We've talked about self-determination theory and the, the autonomy that people feel is so ennobling. It, it grows their psychological well-being. I think part of the mental health challenges that we have come from people not feeling a sense of autonomy. They don't feel like they have a sense of control over the things going on. And so as a parent, if I can find specific ways to help my kid feel like they can use the tools and use them in a way that they choose to, Chad DPT is a great example. I'm actually, I'm kind of a weird duck as a teacher because I'm actually encouraging my kids to experiment with chat GPT. And we've talked about what I consider to be cheating. If you're just having it write it for you, you copy and you paste it. That's not using it as a tool. That's using it as a cheat. But when we talk about it in the context of, you know what, it's a great research assistant. It's a way that you can find out a lot of things fast. You can create some ideas. You can get your paper started and then letting them say, do you want to use it? Great. Do you want to use it? Not. How do you want to use it? And allowing them the autonomy to do that. I think we can kind of do that as parents. Yeah. I'm okay with it too. Yep. Yeah. But you, but you already knew. You <laughs> I already did already knew know that. that. That's I, a safe space for me to talk about using that. I just, so, I think it, any tool out there can be used in a in a good way or a bad way. Right. But How somebody has to it? give us the freedom to do that. If right. somebody comes in and says, you cannot use this tool, then like we feel constricted and we don't like that. And our teens are the exact same way. If we tell them everything to do and how to use all these tools, they get constricted. Tough stuff, man. Yeah. But this is why this is a skill. Empowering is the hardest skill that I think we have in the Triple E toolkit because it's so it's so hard to get it right. Such a tough balance. But that and that's why we're talking about what it looks like. And it's giving them the power to, you know, make some decisions about how they're gonna use the tools. Another element I I think of when I think of empower is helping your teen athlete or performer to take full ownership of their choices, their decisions. And I just, I, I know I work with my one-on-one -on -one clients. I work on this whole mentality of being a, being an owner rather than a victim, being a, I actually like the word victor, because uh, it's kind of a victor old, over victim, victor over victim. And if it, it comes down to being responsible for your choices, your decisions, and then dealing appropriately with the outcomes of those decisions and knowing that there's consequences. And I think if, I mean, this is very much tied into the autonomy. Yeah. If, if the teen can't make any choices, everything is controlled. I, I mean, you often see how that turns into uh, just a total train wreck mm -hmm. later on when they decide that I'm just gonna, I am gonna do whatever I wanna do. But I think there's a great way to empower your team by asking them questions. So I'm gonna plug in the QOC tool yeah. and the communication ring again, because if you can have a, an inquiry-based, curiosity-founded conversation with your team, about some of the difficult choices they need to make, whether it's, uh, do I spend time with these friends? Do I try to do 
both of these activities because this was really putting a strain on my my schoolwork or I, I mean there's all sorts of issues you know that come up with when you're you're dealing with a teen athlete or performer but if you can guide them to have confidence in making choices and supporting them, letting them learn, which I think this is, I know one of your favorite things to talk about is how we deal with mistakes. This is part of this whole being of owning your choices is they may not make them the right choice. And that's sometimes as hard <laughs> as a parent. You might see it coming. Yeah. You might see it coming. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm not going to step on your toes here because I, I know you love to talk about what kind of mistakes we allow, <laughs> which ones we try to, to stop. Victor over uh, victim. Yeah. Let's teach them to take responsibility for their choices. I love that you, the, the phrase there, the guiding. The, the guiding is the key. Telling is... This is why it's stop parenting, start coaching. The coaching is the guiding. Right. So you're saying that if I if I come back with I told you so. Yeah, that's a bad that's a nuclear phrase. Then we're out of the then we're out of the guiding. That's not guiding. That's bludgeoning. Like bludgeoning. That's, that's flogging. You know, see, I was right kind of thing. And even if you don't say I told you so, it's if the implication is there. And even if we don't say anything, the kids are thinking, oh, crap, mom was right. Yeah. Dad was right. Tone of voice could be real big there. Yeah. And so the next one I want to get into, the idea that I do, you're talking about of mistakes. Like that's one of my favorite ones. And as a parent, and this is, listen, we know parenting is the hardest job and there's not a close second. This stuff is so hard to put into practice because we love our kids so much and we want to see them be successful. We want to see them avoid the mistakes that we made. And in our in our rush to keep them safe and keep them away from making the mistakes that we made, often we don't allow them to learn and grow because we learn and grow from our mistakes. So as a parent, allowing them the freedom to make a choice, and even if you see them going the wrong direction, unless it's going to be some kind of fatal mistake, allowing them that freedom to choose. And that can be so demanding as a parent. This is why empowering is a skill that takes training and practice and getting better at it, but allowing them to make those mistakes where, yeah, they're, yeah they failed, but you're going to be there to coach and guide them through the process of building back up. And if they don't ever fall, you can't ever help them get back up. And maybe that's the shift in mentality as a parent is to start looking at as this is an opportunity for me to guide them to learn and grow. So there is such a thing as safe mistakes. I totally feel that there is. I think unless their their life is in jeopardy and, and even getting injured, like you know, a broken arm heals. It's no fun. We don't like to take them to the hospital. It's time consuming. It's expensive, but it heals. And many times we learn from those mistakes, lessons that we can't learn in any other way. And learning for ourselves is more more powerful and impactful than learning from somebody else. They say a wise man learns from their mistakes. A wise man learns. A wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. others. But that's hard to do. Learning from the mistakes of others can be really challenging. And so, you know, we have to keep them in a place where they can learn from those safe mistakes. I had a friend that once wanted to give me his trampoline when my kids were little. <laughs> and I just always said, I don't think I'm going to have a trampoline because I remembered, of, uh, I remembered several incidents mm -hmm. from my youth 
I mean, some bad things happened on trampolines. <laughs> and They're kind of dangerous. Yeah, and I, I just asked him, I said, well, why are you getting rid of it? Because he still had some kids. He was older than me, but he still had some kids. And he said, I'm tired of going to the emergency room. <laughs> it's, that's one of the, as a parent, we have to make those calls. And, and, and you start weighing options. Trample, we had a trampoline growing up, and we had so much fun on it, and like, I didn't know, none of us, not my, me or my sisters, we never broke any bones or anything on there. And we did some crazy stuff on there. Like, you know, vaulting off and falling off and, you know, going super high and bouncing each other. And, but there were tons of fun memories there too. And I, I think if sometimes in our effort to keep our, our kids safe from mistakes, we restrict their lives to the point where they don't feel autonomous. They don't feel capable of doing things. We definitely want to protect, get, gets us to another part of empowering hmm. our teens. And that is this, this idea of being an advocate, being a supporter, being a, a backer. Mm -hmm. Defending our kids and but the, the, oh. <laughs> where do I go with this? I mean, if if we do this in in a way that's going to empower our teens, if we are truly an advocate, we are helping them to navigate, as you like to say, systems, institutions, and their relationships yeah. with other people. And we can be their backer, yet still let them be autonomous, still let them learn from safe mistakes. But sometimes we go from advocate to warrior. Mongol warrior, invader. <laughs> Kangas Khan marching out of the mountains. Yes. I mean, this makes me want to, this makes me want to throw a flag right now. Yeah. Should, it, should we? Yeah, I think we better. Okay. We're, we we're introduced, flagrant we introduced the flagrant foul segment last week. We're going to do it again. So this, I know this is audio only, but we, we just tossed a flag. We have some serious, unnecessary roughness yes. going on here. I was, I was at the high school where I coached and taught for 23 years and it was, it was my off season but I was in the school on a Saturday morning. It was during football season. And I was going back and forth, I think between the gym and, and the equipment room and, and the coach's office, which uh, all of those things are never really located in great spots by, I mean, this is total tangent, but I wish I, I wish that we could have some say yeah. with architects on right. school Architects design. aren't necessarily thinking like they They are not coaches. thinking <laughs> the same way, but what, the first thing I saw was an angry man standing by the football office. And I could tell he was angry. He, I said body hi to him. Body language for... Yeah, you, you could just, you could read the body language. He was very upset. And <clears throat> it was Saturday morning before the team had arrived and the coaches, they had... Uh, obviously played the night before Friday night. And I just didn't think much of it. And I went to the coach's office and then came back and going to the gym and I, and they were having, he was having a conversation with the head coach and it was, it was a little heated. I just kind of glanced over. I mean, it wasn't my place to, to intercede. And I go back in the gym and, and then uh, I come back and get ready to leave. And I was passing by where they were having this conversation. And it was a full-blown argument. And two grown men just going at each other verbally. And uh, it, 
I found out later it didn't escalate further than that, but it the in this situation to me that this is not empowering no. to his son. Does the son feel more capable because he, of that conversation? And I know the dad is going to say I am, you know, that he is being a defender and nah. backer and <laughs> but to me this crosses the line and goes beyond being an advocate. Yeah. This is this is detrimental and this is why we threw the flag on this. This is why this is a flagrant foul. Yeah. There's the cultural thing. There, there's a shift and it's it's interesting because we talked about how empowering gets talked a lot about. Another thing that comes up a lot that you hear a lot about is this idea of a mama bear. And I I, Ooh. I may ruffle, I may get some mama bears fired up with this, but I think it's one of the more I don't, dangerous. You almost, you almost said ruffle feathers. Ruffle feathers, mama bears. No, I think this is for, uh, we got if we're going to talk bear, we got to talk claws. Oh yeah. The claws, yeah. well, the claws might come out. Yeah. The mama bear icon is very dangerous because as parent, we all want to be great parents, but the more that this has become an accepted kind of approach to parenting, this mama bear mentality, it it's causing more of these non-productive conflicts. And you know, I'm not saying don't defend your kids, but in what situations does that, is that really required? There's so few situations where you have to come in guns blazing and just get all fired up about things when better conversations can be had, and I just think this. So you're not saying that like if, if an athlete or a performer feels like they've been wronged or something is something is not right. If there's you're, a physical You're not saying unsafe. just let this go. I'm I mean, there's, there's go. a good way. There is a there's an appropriate approach. Yes. To this. And it doesn't have to involve like a face to face confrontation with the coach or anything. If. If our goal as parents is to empower our kids and help them feel more capable and confident, and we're trying to build their life skills and get them thinking about the kind of person that they want to become, how can we use whatever challenging situations we find ourselves in to build that? And like, I know it's parenting is hard, it's emotional, it's taxing, but when we start doing those things, we don't necessarily empower our kids. Right. What's the when a a parent is doing this? What what's the question that should be asked? I I mean, are they really trying to do something that's no. gonna p- give power to their teen? Is this no. gonna help his son or, in the case of the mother, you know, a confrontation? What's the what's the real question? The here? real question they- here is: Do I want to have this conversation so I can feel better, or do I want to have this conversation so I can get better? And more often than not, we have those conversations so we can feel better. Well, I told that coach off, and it doesn't change the situation, but you feel better. In fact, it might make the situation worse. And it's funny because, I mean, you as coaches, we've had conversations like that. And the parents are all stressed that, you know, we're going to take it out on the kids. So why, why have the conversation? Like, it's it's very much that question you talked about. Are you having it to feel better or to get better? Because if it's being had to get better, it probably looks a lot different. And emotions and feelings get really big, especially when our kids are involved. And if we're doing things to feel better, it might not necessarily be the best thing to help our kids get better. I mean, since we're on the subject, I know we could go much deeper in this and we we likely will 
in the future. The parent that is, what would you suggest to the parent who feels like they absolutely must go confront the, the coach? Why? It's just, uh, why do you need to confront the coach? A better, the better question is, how can I use this situation to help my kid learn and grow? How can I use this situation to grow as a person? Like, what do I need to learn? What am I afraid of as a parent here? We talked about that with Mel. Mel Schmidt. Yeah, I mean, that's just some goal. This, the bigger the emotions, the bigger the situation. What am I afraid of here? You know, that's introspection will help you win in these moments. Taking moments to understand your emotions and what you're feeling before you go and go off on somebody. It, it goes a long way. And you model capability for your parents, emotional or for your kids. Emotional regulation is one of the things, if not the most important thing that your kids need to learn from you. And the best way, and this is supported by the research, the best way to learn emotional regulation is observation. When your kids see you manage emotions, tough emotions well, you're empowering them to do the same thing. You've increased their capability to do it. Empower your kids by handling that situation well. And usually yelling and screaming at the coach is not handling it well. Blowing up at the principal, not handling it well. I've often thought that when a parent says, you'll, you'll hear them talk about these incidents or I'll hear it from another coach and they will say that the parent mentioned that their son or daughter did not know that they were there. Oh boy. Because they don't, they don't <laughs> want, which to me is a red flag that yeah. that's what you shouldn't be there. Yeah. If your son or daughter does not know that you're going to be there. The conversation's not for the kid. That, that says it all right yep. there. That does. Anyway, we could we could talk a long time about this. Lots of experiences and stuff there, but it's that's a challenge to to empower your kids. You got to help them be the ones that are navigating systems, institutions, and relationships. Help model for them what that needs to look like, and that goes a long way towards empowering. The last one I wanted to talk about is just to to try to eliminate criticism of the performance, the curiosity approach that we've talked about before, asking them how they feel things went. What did they learn from their performance today? What did they do well? What did they do well? Did they have fun? Mm -hmm. And and it might, it's, we've talked about that with the performance conversations and there's, uh, but, but if you, if you're criticizing your kids, that's not very empowering. It's, if you want to feel them to feel capable and confident, walk them through, guide them through processing their performance, help them to learn, to identify things they did well. You want to help your kids stop comparison? Do stuff like that. Avoid the, because criticism invites comparison. And when we go with curiosity, we often diffuse judgment. And so curiosity is a great way to help evaluate performances without getting critical and, and hurting kids' self-esteem and things like that. Tough stuff. Yeah. This is a really, really powerful skill, and it's going to take a lot of effort, going to take a lot of practice, uh, it's going to take a lot of coaching, but this is the one that, that when I see parents get this right, it is so amazing to see the relationships they have with their kids. So this skill would be a divider. Yeah. Yep. As your, uh, as your boy says, what was his name again? George Lehman. Lehman. That's it. George Lehman. George Lehman. Skills are the dividers. And well, this skill is a big separator. I think that's a great place to wrap. Yep. See us at createtransformbecome.com. Pick up the free tools. Yep. Take a look at the scoreboard course and keep doing a great job, parents. Yep. Thanks for being with us on the Stop Parenting, Start Coaching podcast. Go out and make a difference for your kids today. 
On behalf of Steve Galley, I'm Nate Crandall, and we thank you, our loyal listeners, for tuning in to this episode. If you love what you're learning from the Stop Parenting and Start Coaching podcast, we would appreciate it very much if you would leave us a five-star review and some glowing comments. We also encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family who are parents of athletes and performers. And if you want to explore further and see what Steve and I are creating to help thousands of parents, athletes, and performers, please visit our company's website at createtransformbecome.com. That's create, transform, become, all one word, dot com. There you will find a growing number of resources to help you elevate your performance. Thank you again for your support, and we encourage you to create a magical relationship with your athlete and performer.